countdown to the last comic shop in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Hey, hey, it is now time for more of the last comic shop! That's right, we are opening the shop up to newbies in order to help them find their way underneath the comic book tent. And we keep the lights on for those oldies because uh, there's lots of great comics out there you might be missing. Yeah, and we don't hope you don't miss this week's episode. I'm the host with the most, Andy Larson, and I'm joined by Chad Smith and Jay Scott. And uh, we're going to be covering another comic book that was adapted from, like, a previous book. Or, in some cases, books that were written thousands and thousands of years ago. Because we're covering Norse Mythology by Neil Gaiman. Uh, and uh, P. Craig Russell and a bunch of other folks. Like, there's a bunch of artists that work on this particular project. So, like, if you like artists, heck yeah, man. Stay tuned for the rest of this show because there's a who's who worked on this book. Now, this week, it's Chad's pick. And uh, for those folks that have been longtime fans of The Last Comic Shop, you might actually find that this book is familiar because we talked about it on a previous show okay so this book initially was my recommendation for uh our wonderful audience here because norse mythology and thor and comic books in particular holds an extra special place in my heart and also at the same time i think it's one of the hardest sells out there like i remember when the thor movie was coming out who thought this shakespearean kenneth branagh directed superhero movie was gonna fly <laughs> But it did. Yeah. It was one of the ones that, like, again, a lot of people had question marks about. They were like, really? Is anybody going to show up for this Thor? And and it kind of followed into Thor Dark World because that kind of showed us, yeah, maybe. But then they turned it around with Thor Ragnarok, right? That was That's like, right. They embraced the fun stuff. But no, it, it is a difficult sell sometimes. But the reason why I think Thor and some of the Norse stuff uh, is so great is because when I was a wee kid, I did not like to read. I thought, you know, reading was dumb. And this is before the age of your your Harry Potters or your Percy Jacksons. And the only real, like, novels aimed at young adults were things like, uh, oh, what are those twins that solve mysteries? The Hardy Boys? Yeah, and then the girl versions of the twins that solve mysteries. The and Sweet they, Valley Highs? Oh, no, that's the more, uh, the, the babysitter ones. The, the Babysitter Club, the, yeah. the Nancy Drews. <laughs> yeah, but it's all just teen-solving mysteries, and none of that appealed to me. And still, when I started reading comic books, and I didn't even think of comic books as reading, because there are all these pictures there, and I didn't even consider it like anything at all until I started to get into the upper grades, and we started getting into things like mythology and Shakespeare. And I found my hand in school going up more and more, because I knew a lot of that information. And why did I know that information? Why did I have an easier time reading Shakespeare? Because of all the stupid mythology I encountered in comic books. Was the, whether it was Thor and his forsooths, or whether it was you know DC and, and Wonder Woman and Hippolyta and all the, the Greek myth things that I would encounter, like all of a sudden that stuff was useful. And it's, it's kind of like comic books were a back door for me to figure out that I was smart and could know stuff and learn all these different stories and myths that have been passed on through these generations. And I don't know, where do you guys stand on Thor books? Is it something that you've ever gotten into or? I came to Thor a little bit late. You know, when I was a teenager, I had kind of missed out on the Walt Simonson. I think by that time, Tom DeFalco 
was writing it. And it was kind of like, I don't know, Iron Man or Captain America, where they were kind of like dads, like the characters I wouldn't relate to. Like, oh, I don't want right. to read those. They seem, they seem too old. Like, I'll just read Spider-Man. I, I get him. And He's got a hot wife, and I, I get that. That's right. It wasn't until I actually grew up, and I was like, I don't know, past 25, 30, that I started reading things like the Walt Simonson Thor, and eventually the Jack Kirby Thor, which is by far my favorite. There's some, been some great writers on Thor over the years, but I, I always go back to the Jack Kirby stuff where, you know, you get Thor for the first time fighting Galactus. Uh, or Ego the Living Planet, or uh, the High Evolutionary, and like fighting the Destroyer, and all that great stuff. Uh, again, that's where you get the tales of Asgard in the back. Like, really, that was like the precursor to everything that he would eventually do in New Gods, and then in Eternals, really cosmic level questing and like universe shaking battles and, and stuff like that. Yes. I don't know. I knew some of the Norse mythology and then I've read some Thor books and I I'm on the side of where I'm glad they retconned Thor, the character in Marvel. Cause when he started out, he was a doctor that had the power of Thor and they got rid of that stupid doctor. And then he's just Thor. He's actually Thor. He's the Marvel comic equivalent of the Norse God. And they made all the other gods and he lives with Odin and you've got the nine realms and they really leaned into the Norse mythology. And, and cause it's a, it's a mine of great ideas and great characters and great story arcs. And it's not just little things here and there. They just basically, well, oh, that's a good idea. Well, let's just take it all. We'll take it all. And yeah, they made some changes and we'll, we'll talk about that. But I'm glad they did that because these are great stories and it gives another avenue for kids who might not be inclined to read a book about Norse mythology or read a book about Shakespeare to get those timeless stories and timeless characters. The thing for me that stands out is like with Greek myths, there are all sorts of media things that have your Greek and your Roman myths to it, but you don't get Norse mythology anywhere else outside of comic books. And now it's sprinkled in MCU stuff. But like, I always felt like Norse mythology belonged in comics because that was the only place that would have it. Right. I agree with that. The Marvel Thor books are, are, are great because he's one of those characters, kind of like Daredevil, where every now and again, they'll let creators just run wild with the Thor book. And you get things like Beta Ray Bill, or you'll get things like the Donny Cates run where he's the Herald of Galactus for a hot minute. There you get things like the Jason Aaron run, and they're always tying things back to that tether of Norse mythology. But uh, they give really great creators their own chance to put their own spin on it. You know, every generation, there's some really great Thor stories that come out and can really make an impact for a character that's not relatable. But for whatever reason, in my mind, it just works in comics. That's interesting because it's not like Marvel owns the rights to any of these characters. Yes, they own the, the character design of, of the Thor's costume and, and, and certain things that they've created. But Thor, Sif, Odin... Marvel doesn't own any of that. Somebody else could do a book with North mythology as this book that we're going to yeah. review is not a Marvel book, but somebody could do a movie with Thor and Loki and Marvel couldn't do anything about it because a lot of character design is not Marvel copyright. Right. That was public domain before public domain was cool. Yeah. And it's interesting how like there are different versions of Thor 
out there in like, especially nowadays, because that like there are video games like the God of War series recently came out with their own version of Thor, but it is a Thor that looks nothing like even the one that's in this North mythology book kind of looks like a Thor that we kind of know. Like he's got the hammer, he's got a strong chin, and he's the Thor in the God of War series has a beer belly. He looks more like Volstag. He looks like a huge brawler of a Viking. And you're just kind of like, yeah, maybe that's actually what Thor would look like. Yeah, that uh, could make sense. I could see it. Right. You know, if you think about like people like, who's that guy from Game of Thrones who's like the strongest man ever? He's a mountain of a man, but he's not like Chris Hemsworth at all. Kind of like a beast, a monster, like a huge dude that can like rip out trees. And not, not even when Chris Hemsworth got depressed and put on weight in that last movie? I, I guess, but yeah, that's more of a, Thorbowski. I think that's more of a realistic look for Thor. If you think back to like, they were like the big dudes, right? These, these are the gods. These are the, you know, mightier than men. They're all going to be chiseled and handsome. And Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give me a beer belly, Thor. That's, <laughs> I'm a big, I'm a bigger fan of that. Says beer belly Andy. <laughs> <laughs> I can relate. And I hope that you relate to our rest of our Norse mythology show. We'll be right back after these messages with our review of Neil Gaiman's Norse mythology. Yeah, so I have a good friend from Denmark who named his first son Thor. And when he had a second child, also a boy, he was really struggling because, like, I can't name him Loki. (laughs) Has this ever happened to you? You're in bed, drifting off, and suddenly think... Who would win in a tug-of-war match between Superboy and Merlin? Did Marvel ever try to make a long-haul trucker into a superhero? How would it work out if I named my dog after a D-list supervillain? The answers in order are Merlin. Yes. And amazing. I'm Jessica. And I'm Mike. And we host the podcast Ten Cent Takes, a show that looks at weird, silly, and cool moments from comics and how they're woven into the larger fabric of history. Moments like the time Superman shilled for Radio Shack. When Archie got tempted by the devil. Oh, and then there was that time that DC Comics gave a superhero AIDS in an effort to be topical. It's always weird around here, but we'd like to think it's also interesting. So come with us and commit random acts of pop culture archaeology, one issue at a time. If you'd like to learn more, head over to TenCentTakes.com. All right, we're back with more of The Last Comic Shop, and it is now time for a Read Pile Review. Yes! Where sometimes during our recommendation part of this show, we talk about a comic book. And then later, we talk about that comic book again. These repile reviews. So, long story short, if you are a longtime fan of our show, and you actually do what we tell you to do, which is pick up certain books from recommendations, make sure that you hang on to them, because sooner or later... We'll probably cover it on the show. It's kind of like spoilers. That's right. You never know when Andy's going to say, ah, the book we're supposed to read didn't come out this week. What else else can we do? And I'm like, what about that one I talked about? I I wanted to read a long time ago. (laughs) That's weird. Sometimes it's those comic book schedules. I can't help it. Anyways, uh, so we're doing uh, Norse Mythology Volume 1, by the way. There are actually more volumes of this particular comic book but we're doing volume one which is the first six issues i believe of the uh, series it was put out by dark horse comics and again ja uh i know it's written by neil gaiman or at least the original book was but the comic book's a little bit different who did the comic book 
Yeah, so this is based on a Neil Gaiman book that he wrote on North mythology uh, that P. Craig Russell took the words and story from and then laid out the script and the layouts for the entire series. Letters for the entire series, at least what we read, was done by Galen Showman. And then each of the books, a bunch of different artists who also contributed. Mike Mignola, Jerry Ordway, David Rubin, Peter Kowalski, Jill Thompson, David Stewart, Lovern Kierenzierski. Okay. So uh, a, a sort of a who's who of uh, artists who uh, <laughs> like their North mythology just like we do. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I first came across... P. Craig Russell's uh, work when he actually was adapting another writer's original work that deals a lot with like swords and sorcery and things like that uh, with the Eldrick series. Uh, back in the 80s, Roy Thomas uh, took all of the Michael Moorcock Eldrick of Melbourne uh, novels and he adapted them into uh, comic books. And so P. Craig Russell shared art duties with Michael T. Gilbert. And, 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 and I was a huge, huge fan of that particular series put out by Pacific Comics. So uh, not only that, but uh, P. Greg Russell's worked with Neil Gaiman before. He ish- illustrated issue 50 of the Sandman series. Uh, he later drew uh, a Sandman graphic novel called Endless Nights and adapted uh, Neil Gaiman's short story Murder Mysteries, as well as his children's book uh, Coraline into comic book form. So P. Greg Russell and Neil Gaiman have worked together on a variety of different projects. And Chad's going to give us the 10 cent synopsis of this project. What happens in these six issues of Norse mythology? Okay. So as J.A. alluded to, these stories are not the Marvel version of Thor and Loki. These are adapted straight from the original Norse mythology. And so this book is kind of an anthology of sorts. There are seven different stories in it. First, you have the prologue, and that's kind of like your creation myth. Where, did you know the the clouds are actually Ymir's brains floating around? You'd find out if you read that story. The next one, uh, oh boy, there's names I'm not going to do well with. Yggdrasil? Yggdrasil, yeah. Yggdrasil and the Nine Worlds is basically your world tour of all the different, you know, your Jotunheims. And it's stuff you'd appreciate if you like Thor comics. The next is Mimir's head and Odin's eye. You find out that Odin's wisdom comes from Mimir's well. Uh, that's fun. Uh, then we have Treasure of the Gods. Uh, this is where Loki pits brothers, dwarf craftsmen. There's a pair and then there's a trio. Uh, he pits them against each other. And we learn that one of the reasons the Norse gods keep Loki around is even though he's a mischievous uh, heck raiser, uh, they benefit. So there you go. Got that one. Uh, the fifth story is the master builder, which in my mind is like a modern political tale, building a wall, getting someone else to do all the work and then (laughs) tricking them near the end to not finish the work by stealing away their horse. And sure, the horse might have relations with you. You might have to end up giving birth to their uh, offspring that has eight legs. (laughs) That offspring will be the fastest horse you've ever seen. Uh, and so it's all worthwhile in the end. But uh, that one, that that happens. Uh, And then we have the children of Loki, where these are Loki's side families that uh, he's scooting off uh, from his uh, regular wife and family. And he has a child who uh, ends up being a snake and one that ends up being uh, half girl, half dead, something, something. And one. Hell. Hell. Yeah, that's where she ends up. 
and then and then there's the wolf one. Uh, that yeah. one's real, that, that's real sad. And then uh, the last one is Freya's Unusual Wedding, which uh, features Thor in drag. Uh, going up against Shrek. Yes. It's good times. There's a lot of great stories. And, and I think that's one of the things that I'm going to start off with is if you're a fan of basically just kind of like single issues, like back in the day when you were just like you could pick up any of these stories and kind of read them and be like, oh, I like this one or I like this one or I even like this one. You know, this is one of those collections where like you get a lot of different things. Uh, it's like a sampler plan of the Norse mythology, which is kind of neat. But yeah, let's go on ahead and start off with J.A. Was there a particular story you liked more than others, J.A.? Yes, and just to echo what you just said, because we like to do that on this show a lot, too. I did like that you just can jump from story to story, and you don't need to... I mean, you you, you know the characters, and you're drawing the characters from story to story, but the, there's not a lot of crossover, so you can really, like, dive in and, and even parts of it. Like the, the Children of Loki story, I really like the bit about the dog, Wolf bear thing Fendris. uh Fendris, rather than the the story of hell and the story of the serpent is just not as interesting my favorite story was probably um the treasure of the gods and you see the creation of Mjolnir. you see the the creation of odin's staff you see the creation of all these classic norse thing everything has a name that's the other thing. Everything has a name. It's like, what is that? Oh, that, that is my that is my butter knife. No, sir, that is young Yushoshan. Oh, right, okay. The butter knife of the gods. <laughs> I butter ye old toast with that. Everything gets a name and everything gets too many letters. <laughs> so I, I really enjoyed the story. Uh, essentially, uh, Loki tricks two competing artisan groups into making some treasures for the royal family And then uh, he gets one group to do it by saying, if you win, you can cut my head off and keep my head. And then he goes around trying to stop this person by becoming a a gnat and biting them. And they're still able to make beautiful objects. And the whole reason why it begins is because Thor wakes up and his wife's hair has been cut off. Loki has shaved her head. Loki's a dick. Yeah, he is. I mean, again, if you're a fan of either the Loki TV show or the MCU or something, you pretty much get the same Loki in this. And that's kind of neat. Like, again, like, uh, you know, you, you can see how, like, Marvel, they, they, the apple didn't fall very far from the tree. Like, they were just like, yeah, you're, it, Loki's a dick. He's always going to be a dick. Not so much a megalomaniacal bad guy, but kind of more like the modern Loki, where he's a trickster, you know, he shapeshifts. Yeah. You don't know right. if he's good or bad. He's got his own agenda. Uh, he likes mixing things up, I guess. Yes, the apple didn't fall far from the Yggdrasil. <laughs> there you go. The golden apple, perchance. But no, the best part about these stories is that Loki always gets it. Like, if he's the guy causing the trouble, he is the one who's going to suffer in the end. Sometimes in his end. No, I loved it. There's so many cool, weird things about this mythology. You want wisdom? you got to cut out your eye and throw it in this well. And they're like, okay. And then they drink from a horn, and now they're the wisest. Uh, that there could be or when people just walk into town and they're like uh i will build a wall for you but i demand the sun and the moon and to sleep with the queen and they're like 
Let's think about it. (laughs) These are deals that they're going to make in these creation tales. And it's just, it's so much fun. This is something, too, I mentioned earlier about how so much of Norse mythology, I feel like, belongs in comic books. And when I heard that Neil Gaiman had written the actual book where he went through and did the research and and told those original myths, I'm like, oh, man, I've got to read that. And that was in 2017. And it's how many years later? I've still got to read that. Uh, But... When it came out in comic book form, I, I was all about it. And the reason why I'm so happy I went that route is because there's certain stories, like the first two, the, the creation myth one, and the one where they go through with the tour of the worlds. Like a lot of that stuff doesn't interest me in the point that, like, all oh, the names are long and confusing, and like it's just geographical stuff. If I was reading that in book form and that was chapters upon chapters of a book, I'd never get to the stories where Loki is trying to trick dwarves and they end up building ships that can fold up with a claw. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. There's so much fun to be had with the Norse mythology, and I think these books know where to find it. Yeah, and everyone is after Freya. In every book, everyone wants to bed she's Freya. she's so pissed about it. She's like, what the hell do you think I am? A piece of meat? And she's just a bunch of people. It's the best. But one of the things that Chad just brought up, and I, I kind of wanted to pose it both of you, because again, this isn't the first time on this show that we've done a comic book adaptation of a novel. Uh, we did it again with Slaughterhouse-Five. We did it with 1984. And I think in some of these occasions, especially with 1984, which we just did this year, one of the things that, that both of you said about 1984 was you didn't think that the comic book elevated from the original book series. Like, the, the you were like, ah, still go and read 1984, the book. Maybe you can come and read 1984, the, 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 the graphic. Do you feel that this particular comic book adaptation of Norse mythology does elevate that material one step further. Yeah, I don't know if I would say it elevates the material. I think it makes the material accessible, easier to digest, and therefore maybe opens it up to more people, especially kids or teenagers who maybe are not going to pick up the book and read a big book on Norse mythology. I think the way the stories are told and the stories themselves lend themselves very well to the comic book form. And so many of these myths, I mean, when you go back to to biblical stories or Grimm's fairy tales or, or stories of that nature, they're meant to be experienced. And I'll admit freely, I'm coming from a place of ignorance because I have not read the Neil Gaiman book. And perhaps the Neil Gaiman book blows these out of the water. But boy, does it help me when you're talking about Yggdrasil and I can see a picture of a tree, you know, and with all these different stories where people are converting into bears and lions and snakes, boy, is it helpful for me to have the visual representation that comics bring to the table to help me wrap my brain around this. And then sometimes occasionally skip the, skip past the stuff that I'd be like, wait a minute, how does that work? That doesn't make sense. But like with the visual guide, I think it plays, uh, almost a, an instructional role, I guess in making it accessible, like Jay was saying. Well, another question I had then is because we spent a whole segment talking about Thor in Marvel Comics. And a lot of the things they talk about, whether it's Bifrost or Molnir or Loki and the Midgard Serpent, Hell, and she's a super baddie in, in the Marvel Universe. Uh, my, I guess my next question is, for somebody that reads a lot of Thor... Do you think it's different enough, or do you think it elevates beyond what we already know from the decades and decades of Thor stories? Well, I personally 
say, absolutely, this is different enough. And this is coming f- directly from the well. This is coming from Mimir's well into your own gallon horn of these comics. So you can get straight from the source where these stories are coming from. Is it something that takes away from the Marvel stories? Absolutely not. But at the same time, if you've read the Marvel stories, if you've read the uh, the Simonson run with the Midgard Serpent coming in, it just adds that extra layer. And so I think if you're a fan of Thor, if you're a fan of the Marvel Thor, you're doing yourself a disservice if you're not checking this stuff out. Because I think it's packaged in a way that, sure, you're going to be familiar with some of these ideas and some of these concepts and some of these characters. But also, you might not know how batshit crazy they are. When they're original form. And that's something that's worth exploring. Yeah, I don't think Marvel ever gave us the eight-legged horse <laughs> Loki. <laughs> we got the alligator Loki, and we got boy Loki, but we didn't get the eight-legged horse Loki. Loki disappeared for a while, and nobody knew where he was. But when he came back, he had this really awesome horse that loved him like a mother. <laughs> <laughs> The other one other question I had is because this is an anthology and he gets different issues. I see that old P. P. Craig Russell was kind of like the main architect of this entire series. He did all the layouts for this. Uh, You do get different artists on different books. And we've talked about sometimes in the past about how when any sort of series moves from artist to artist to artist, that it can be kind of a little bit of jarring. I won't lie that my favorite issues of this entire series were actually the first couple. Because one of them was drawn by Mike Mignola. And if you've read anything that deals with Hellboy, you you know, anytime he gets to dive into like dark mythology, especially he gets the story of Mimir's head and his well. And that's actually a pretty like, I don't it, it's it, it borderlines on a little bit of horror because it talks about Ragnarok. It talks about cutting off people's heads and cutting out eyes and getting wisdom that way. I thought that was kind of a little bit gothic. But the moment it switched from Mike Mignola, it was like a different track, and it kind of threw me off a little bit. What did you guys think of the different artists? I didn't mind it. I think it works for this because each story is its own little thing. And the way these myths were originally told, they're told verbally, orally, by different you know storytellers. One storyteller might know one story. One storyteller might know another story. So if you approach it in that sense... Each of these stories is a self-contained thing, and the artist is sort of, you know, he, he's the, the oral soothsayer. He's the one telling the story to you. So in that respect, I think it works. And not every story carries the same weight with it or the same gravitas. Or the, or the There's some stories that are fun stories, some stories that are very serious and, and more, you know, horror influenced and i thought that having different artists with different aesthetics worked in that respect and i agree absolutely and also in terms of the history of comic books where you have these anthology series you know in an anthology that's what you're going to get you're going to get varying artists telling their own takes on the tales and i love how ja just equated that to the different storytellers and when you think about it how true that really is where it's like Thor's hammer is not going to look the same in one, from one storyteller to the next, most likely. But the basic gist is there. And I thought, while there were some art styles that wouldn't be at the top of my list, I didn't think there was a bad one in the bunch. And especially with how many different emotions come across in these stories. Whether it's Freya getting upset over how many times they put her in these binds, all these men around her, or making all these deals. 
And she's like, you suggested it. You talked these idiots into doing it. And all these people are standing around. And like, I just love that every story, ultimately, they blame Loki. Mm-hmm. And there's like, just people staring at him. Like, oh. <laughs> and then they're threatening. Like, every story is just Odin telling Luke, Loki the, the terrible ways he's going to die. Oh, it's so fun. But no, the, 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 I think each artist was able to successfully lean into everything they needed to portray. Whether it was the skeeziness of Loki and that children of Loki story. And like, how bad did you feel when you get to the story with the the, the wolf? The, is it Fenris? Yes, Fenris, yeah. And uh, the warrior god. Uh, Tyr. Tyr, yeah. So t- you have Tyr, the warrior god. And he's befriended Loki's child, Fenris, and, and raised him from when he was a, a young pup, basically. Into his cave bear phase. Into the, when he was as big as an elk. And then they, they're testing him. And he's breaking all these chains and just staring at them. It's like, listen, I broke through your chains. Remember this. Each moment of the story, you could see the savagery. You could see the power. And then at the end, where they're like, we need to try these extra special chains. And he's like, I'll do it, but I want one of you to put your hand in my mouth. And Tear signs up for it. He's like, go ahead. And you see the betrayal on, on both of their sides, whether it's Tear or Fenris. It's so heartbreaking. And then Fenris is shouting, I'll eat the sun! I'll eat the moon! Brutally destroyed by the Asgardian gods, because that's another thing they do in all these stories. Yeah. They get themselves deep into the stuff, and then they kill everybody! Did anybody else feel like there was a parallel in that story to, like, again, what happened with Planet Hulk and the Illuminati just sh- firing Hulk off because they, we don't want to deal with you anymore, Hulk. Like, you can go be by yourself. And he's like, I'll get revenge on all of you. It, it seemed like something, again, you know, the Marvel Universe does the Hulk all the time. They try to wrap him up in chains because they don't understand his power or don't trust his power. That he won't eventually turn on them. I'm not going to turn on you. I don't know why you keep on doing this to me, but now I'm pissed because you keep on doing this to me. So I agree that that was kind of like the most bittersweet of all the stories because Fenris didn't, it, he didn't deserve that in the end. He, he, he didn't have malice, at least not initially. Right. You know, but Owen had seen it through the eye. And that's like, it's just, it's so fun. And all these stories, they reach a point where it's like, oh, Thor's back now. You're all going to die. <laughs> Well, one other thing that we'll be right back with our rating, because everyone loves those. So stay tuned. The last comic shop right after these uh, commercial breaks uh, as we weave some of those myths. Do your hobbies include comic books, movies, television, and or video games? Are you always behind with the latest news in the world of nerd? Well, look no further than the Oblivion Bar, a nerd culture podcast. Great Scott! Hosted by Chris Hacker and Aaron Knowles, The Oblivion Bar offers a weekly review of all the latest breaking news, in-depth discussions far beyond whether Han shot first, and newsletter section, where you, the listener, send in your questions to be answered live on the show. New episodes every Monday, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Google Podcasts. I'm just so, so freaking excited! You can also find us on Twitter, at OblivionBarPod. Come join us at the Oblivion Bar podcast. Hope to see you there. Looking for a podcast all about nerddom? Want a podcast with an emphasis on representation? The Nerd Alternative is the podcast for you. Join me, Ram. Me, Hassan. And me, Levi. Three black British nerds tackling the pop culture we love and sharing why we love them. The Nerd Alternative, a sweet melting pot of all things nerdy. 
All right, we're back with more of The Last Comic Shop, and it is now time for our ratings, where... We rate things? We... <laughs> that we do, Chad. We do rate things. We take things. some big logs of wood, and we carve out a rating and blow life into it, sort of like Odin creating all the gods and humans, and uh, we say, this is what it is, and this yeah. is what it shall be. So what is it this week, J.A.? You are, are usually the one that breathes life into our rating scale, at least. One out of four what's this week? So uh, there are nine realms in Norse mythology, so we're going to go with realms. One out of four realms. Yeah. Are you? Uh, is, it a, is it a Jotunheim and Asgard and Midgard type book? Or, or is it more of a Nidavellir and Alfheim type book? Yeah, I just want you to pronounce the names of all the realms, because that's something I could never do. I want you to give birth to a ten-headed beast out of your arm. <laughs> yeah. which, which they did not have enough art on. It's just this tiny little picture. I wanted more of the ten-headed person. Like that—that's another one of my favorite issues. Was just all that P. Craig Russell stuff at the beginning. Who wants to see like P. Craig Russell actually now do a Thor book where he gets to draw Surtur as badass as Surtur looked <laughs> at like the beginning of that, like yeah. all draped in shadow with like holding this. He looked downright menacing. I would—that is apocalypse or an Armageddon I can get behind right there. But we'll go ahead and start off with Chad because again, this—it's his book this week. So how many realms? Are you visiting this week, Chad? Okay, so my praise for this has been effusive. I really do think this is fantastic stuff. And for somebody like me that likes to pretend that I have academic pursuits behind a lot of the things that I'm reading, I can really justify this as something that's expanding my worldview and my horizons. With that said, as part of an anthology series, I know that while I may have loved this, there are probably going to be stories in here that aren't for everybody. And so... I'm going to say it's a three and a half realm. I still think it's great. Personally, for me, it's a four, but I think uh, when factoring in other folks, I'll ding it just a little bit because of the inconsistency of anthologies in general and the fact that some people might not be able to wrap their heads around people eating the sun and the moon and <laughs> marrying the queen who's already married and her husband being like, yeah, okay, it's a deal. And they had to build that wall just because Thor went away for a little while. Like, yeah. like Thor had never gone away before. Like, that was the first time it ever happened. Like, yeah, he's got a business trip. Oh, we need a wall this time. Why didn't yeah. we need a wall the other times? Well, it was a short business trip. He was, <laughs> he didn't have a layover in in Des Moines. <laughs> so, any case, uh, J.A., how many realms are you giving this sucker? So, I'm giving it four realms. It reminded me of when I was young, reading all the Greek and Roman myths for the first time and really getting into those. I could see my younger self devouring this, and my older self did devour it. Uh, it's just great. I don't mind that it jumped from artist to artist, story to story, because as I said, I thought that actually helped make those stories all sort of self-contained and then you could take a break, and then you're reading another story. You didn't have to carry over all this uh, baggage from story to story, and you could appreciate each story on its own merits, something that I think sometimes if we approach some of the Marvel movies, 
if you just look at them as their own contained thing and not in the big MCU, they fare better. Oh, a little bit better. is there one in particular? Uh, a, there's a deep like cut. To... Not going there. Not all going right, there. All right, so all I'm right. giving it. I'm giving it a solid four realms. Hey, I will mirror the sentiment that it was a very, very easy read. Again, I think Chad mentioned that we were going to cover another book uh, this week, but then the final issue wasn't released in time. So uh, we ended up at the very last second, you know, scrapping that one and being like, okay, we'll cover it in a different week and we'll do Norse mythology. And originally when I saw how many pages Norse mythology was, I was like, ah, I've only got so many days. But this was very similar to one of the great books that we read in 2021 in Reckless that I read it all in one sitting and pretty just went boom, 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 boom. I think it was one of the fastest comic books that I've read in a really long time. So even at like, I think it's like 165 pages or something like that for sure. If you're at all daunted by reading that many pages, this thing flies. And because it's an anthology, uh, it's really easy that even if you don't want to read it in one sitting, you can put it down, you can pick it back up. It is really great in that respect. But I think I can't give it a full four realms. I think I'm going to ding it a considerable amount. I think I'm only going to give it three. And, And that's because I actually did, as I might have alluded to, had a problem with the changing artists. I really loved P. Craig Russell. I really loved Mike Mignola. Even though there were other great artists on this book, I wanted the entire series drawn by those two guys after reading the first two issues. I just wanted to see everything in that style. Uh, Because, again, if you've read P. Craig Russell's before, like I did with Eldrick, he knows how to draw high fantasy. Everything looks dreamlike. And Surtur looks incredibly menacing. His frost giant looks weirdly half glacier, half dude. And then like Odin and his brothers jump on him and like they just slaughter him. And it's just interesting. And then you get all that stuff with Mike Mignola and headless people being thrown into wells and drinking from giant horns. And it was just great stuff. And I'm not saying the rest of the artists are bad. It's just I really love that art. And because I didn't get that art for the entire series... I felt cheated, really did. And so I'm going to only give it three realms. So you get your uh, Asgard, you get your Midgard, and you get for me! I love that page in Thor from the Simonson run. It encapsulates their relationship so perfectly. Yes. And something else that uh, encapsulates our relationship with you so perfectly is our recommendations. Because, ta-da, again... You should pay attention to this section because we might cover it on a future show. So yes, these are almost like sneak previews of upcoming Last Comic Shop episodes. So uh, traditionally, we like to do a a current book, a similar book, and a book out of left field. I think we can bring that back for this week, maybe. Let's see. In any case, we've got our similar book, and that comes from J.A. Scott this week. So J.A., what do you got for us that is similar? It's similar in, in that uh, it's sort of about Vikings or, you know, uh, these people that embraced the tradition of North mythology after it was created by the Germans, late Germans, early Germans, Germanic peoples. <laughs> so, so I am recommending uh, Brian Wood and David Gianfelice's Northlanders. Uh, this is, came out around 2008. Volume 1 collects first eight issues, released by Vertigo Comics, 
and it is the story of Sven, the return. So Sven is the uh, only son of a, a Viking chieftain who runs away from home and goes down to Constantinople and sort of becomes a man of the world. And then his father dies and he finds out the uncle has taken over. So he goes back to his homeland, uh, which is in Orkney, to reclaim his father's wealth from the, the uncle who took everything and they end up fighting each other and then the Saxons invade. And one thing I will have to say right off the bat, this is not for younger readers. This is very much a mature subject. There's raping and pillaging and death and people's heads getting hacked off and put on pikes. Uh, but really well realized it's it captures the culture and the politics of the era but doesn't get you bogged down in sort of the historical aspects or uh one thing i like about sven is he's gone to constantinople and has kind of seen the bigger world and comes back as almost a heretic he doesn't believe in all this mythology that everyone is ascribing to he kind of looks at his hometown as a bunch of hicks and and then you know it tells that very normal story of somebody coming back and thinking that well, i ran away from this place it doesn't have anything to add to me and then you find out actually no some of this stuff that i ran away from i needed and i i have to relearn what i've forgotten but i'm bringing everything that i've learned in the in the meantime back so it's the guy coming back from college thinking that he knows everything and he doesn't actually know everything <laughs> nice yeah <laughs> because my eyes lit up when you mentioned that when i read that series when it first came out and it was great. And all I remember about it was, it was great. And that's something, I, I never read the rest of it. I read probably first two trades, maybe, and then uh, just sort of fell off of that book. So now I'm going to have to go see if that's worth picking up the rest of it. Yeah, so and the the, uh, the first five volumes take you up towards issue 40 of the run are available right now on Comixology Unlimited. So um, if you have a subscription, I, I highly recommend it. That's awesome. Yeah, I was notorious back in the day for reading two trades worth of a Vertigo book and then forgetting that it existed. <laughs> Didn't you do that with Why the Last Man, too? I did. It's like, I'll go back to this later when I have more time or cash. And that just hasn't happened yet. All right. So, Chad, as our current pick this week, what's a book that you're reading the first two volumes of now that so, maybe you won't go back to? <laughs> so mine is also very similar as well. Now, I'm going to go with Norse Mythology Volume 2, where this time around, it's still the same format where they it's an anthology. However, most of the stories stretch out over two issues in Volume 2, and it's just as crazy. You get the, the meat of poets, and you find out where good poetry comes from, and there's a little side note at the end of uh, where bad poetry comes from. I'll, I'll give you, it involves Odin turning himself into a bird and then drinking this blood-drenched honey mead, and then uh, he pours it into a vat, and that's where the good poems come from. But at one point during the fight, he sneezes and farts, and stuff comes out the other end, and that's where the bad poems come from. Because <laughs> this is how Norse mythology works. Okay? <laughs> and there's another story where, through some machinations of Loki, steals golden apples and uh, somebody's dad and ends up dying and she shows up and of course they're going to make deals and they say, listen, we promise three things. One, we'll give you a husband to replace your lost father. Second, we will make you laugh again. And then glass will make it so that your father will never be forgotten. 
but one condition, you can pick your husband, but only by his feet. Yeah. And they make him make this poor girl pick her husband based on the feet of all these gods. And she ends up picking an older one. She's like, ah, so to, make, to make her laugh, they go the extra mile. They're like, Loki, you got us into this. And so they make Loki one end of a rope to his and the other end of the rope goes to a goat and then one tugs and the other tugs and eventually this girl is is laughing rolling around on the floor but uh, that is how Norse mythology works it, it's so fun so silly uh so outlandish and yet so mythical in nature i can't help but continue this and then as the show is coming out volume three is hitting store shelves as well i'm gonna go out on a limb and say that's worth picking up too Okay. Well, for our out of left field pick this week, I'm going to go back to the notion of what mythology actually is. Uh, We talked about it on the show, which was basically a collection of stories that is passed down from one generation to another generation that kind of shapes your viewpoint of how the world works. And for me, as a young guy uh, growing up, nothing shaped my worldview more than the amazing Spider-Man. That was, you know, Peter Parker's adventures uh, was how uh, I, I learned all of the great things in life, like with great power comes great responsibility or how many wheat cakes should you eat in a particular day? <laughs> or They're heavy. They'll settle with you. <laughs> and uh, eventually how you can, again, find yourself a, a decent looking wife, even though you're a nerd. <laughs> So all these things, I kind of said, oh, these are the great things that I'm going to learn in, in, in life. And uh, right now, I'm actually in the process of passing on those stories to my own son, Jacob. So for today, I'm going to make sure that everybody else knows that they should go out and pick up some of that fantastic Stanley, Steve Ditko, Amazing Spider-Man, especially stuff that you can find in Marvel Masterworks. Amazing Spider-Man Volume 2, which has issues 11 through 20. And if you're wondering why I picked those issues, I feel that they're better than 1 through 10. Why? Because you get a better Rogues Gallery members in those later issues. You get Mysterio's first appearance. You get the Green Goblin, which we can all agree is probably one of the biggest heavy hitters of Spider-Man's Rogues Gallery. And he doesn't show up till issue 14. So that's kind of crazy. But he's so awesome that they had to bring him back like two issues later. So like you get that, you get Craven, you get Spidey Strikes Back where he's swinging through and he's got to fight the Sandman and stuff. And, and you get the Scorpion and all these great things. And not only can you get those issues in a Marvel Masterwork, but now if you want to drop a lot of money, you get them as a part of the Tation extra large amazing spider-man book which is making all the hubbubs all over the social medias i do not recommend do not recommend (laughs) mainly because i haven't saved enough extra scratch to buy one for myself yet and they're limited editions do not recommend oh no go pick one of those up i i've put it in my amazon cart so many times and taken it out and put it back in and taken it out because i'm like i don't know if i can justify 200 smackaroos for the amazing spider-man stories i already own but i'm hearing such great things about them like people are like oh my god you got to get this book it's enormous like it's the size of what those um it's the treasury edition size but they also went through and didn't mess with the colors Unlike so many of the other reprints where you get like 
oh, look, we modernized the coloring. Isn't that nice? No, that's not nice. We want it the way that it's supposed to be. And the Tashin books do things the way it's supposed to be. And they're beautiful. <laughs> so I'm guessing the moment you have enough scratch, Chad, you're going to get this, right? It's like it's a done Do not thing. recommend. Do not recommend. Well, one thing we do recommend always is that you come back to The Last Comic Shop, and you can do that by rate reviewing and subscribing to our podcast on a myriad of platforms that you can find by going out to www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com. It's our terrific website. We've got all of them. All of them. They're just all there. So, like, if you need a link for some place, go to our website. You'll find it, especially YouTube. Not only do we have all the episodes of our podcast on YouTube, but you also can check out a lot of bonus videos. We do a lot of quick hits with uh, independent creators for upcoming Kickstarters that they're working on. Or sometimes we do unboxings of action figures and all kinds of stuff. So make sure that you check us out. www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com And do you want more bonus content? Find us on the socials. You can see us on Twitter and Instagram at Last Comic Shop, where you might see things like our Wednesday polls, or what books we're picking up at the comic shops ourselves, or even daily comic factoids and tidbits, and whatever else we feel like throwing on the internet. And we also have a link to our merch store on the website, so you can go get up some nice Last Comic Shop merch, including t-shirts, tote bags, and maybe a Thor's hammer or two. <laughs> oh, well... Uh, you know, sometimes power tools are good to have. I, I I, wonder if Thor has other ones. Like, does he have a screwdriver? Does he have uh, one of those those plain things? What are they what called? What do you mean? This is Norse mythology. He has all that stuff and it has a name. What's his belt's name? What's his helmet's name? They all have names. His workbench. Is that the Lave of Hell? <laughs> that's, another, that's another good book. Any case... We should have a special. If you buy like five shirts and a tote bag, you you have the chance to uh, have free as hand in marriage. <laughs> <laughs> and while we might be the last comic shop podcast, our goal is to not actually be the last comic shop. So we encourage all of you to head out to your local comic shop. If you need one, go to the comic shop locator, www.comicshoplocator.com, where you can find some awesome things like Norse mythology or all these fun Thor books. Or... Some of our recommendations, like Norse mythology. Uh, sorry, doubled up on that one. But also things like Northlanders, which is fun Viking stuff. Or Marvel Masterworks Amazing Spider-Man Volume 2 for some of those classic myths by Stan Lee and Steve Ditko. All that and more is waiting for you at your local comic shop. Check them out. Yes. And we hope that you check out The Last Comic Shop every single week as well. And until next week... Uh, I was the host with the most, Andy Larson. I was joined by Jay Scott and Chad Smith. And remember to stay safe, stay warm. And if somebody asks you why that horse is following you all around, you can just say, well, it's what I did last summer. Ooh. No. We don't or, talk about what was done to, well, what was done to me last summer. <laughs> we don't talk about what happens between horses. The last comic shop was a 2022 Black Angus production.